it is my privilege to introduce a uh, young man that I went to college with, and uh, we attended, young, yeah. Uh, some of us have aged better than others. <laughs> but we went to school together, and I was just, uh, just, just loved uh, Thomas and Elvira. Uh, they were good friends, and uh, they have served the Lord faith- faithfully while they were here in Springfield <clears throat> at Victory Baptist Church with Brother, Brother Brinson. And uh, since that point, they have been missionaries in Panama, and now God is changing in their lives. And they're going to share some of that, uh, where God is leading them as, uh, as uh, they come and minister to us this morning. And so we're just grateful for Thomas and Elvira both. And brother, would you please come thank and you. share the burden with us? Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Well, thank you. We've been, uh, been looking forward to being able to be here with you guys. It's our honor and privilege to be able to be here. As he said, we are the Corbellos. We are going to uh, the country of Spain. We have been missionaries in the country of Panama for the last 12 years. Never, ever thought that we would be going to Spain uh, as missionaries or, for that matter, at any time. But we had the opportunity to go to Spain in uh, 2017 to preach a missions conference for the Belascos, who you guys support as well. And and uh, while we were there, we you know we figured this is a once in a lifetime trip, so so we added another week onto the onto the uh, the trip and and took a little vacation there. We did the missions conference; everything went well. We had people saved, people uh, getting their hearts right with the Lord and making decisions for the Lord. And then after that, we went to several different places there in Spain, and and uh, everywhere we went, though we saw thousands of people. Thousands of people there in Spain. They do have houses, but the majority of the people live in high-rise apartments because of the amount of people. Uh, there's over 46 million people there in Spain. And uh, just, again, just everywhere we went, every town that we went to, there were thousands and thousands of people that we saw. And as I, as I say that, I, I tell you, I saw them with my human eyes. But I didn't see them with my spiritual eyes. And God got on to me about that when we got back to Panama. But God didn't deal with me about Spain while we were there. I figured, you know what, I've, we've got a ministry there in Panama. And, and this, is, this is Brother Belasco's ministry here. And, and, and so, so just did our vacation thing, went back to Panama, and then the Lord hit me. I, I figured we were going to get back into the swing of things there in Panama and get into a building program at the second work that we had the privilege of starting there. Uh, but the Lord started dealing with me about, about Spain and about the people there and the, the thousands and thousands of people that we saw everywhere we went. And, and he began to break my heart about that and, because I didn't see them the way he sees them. You know, I saw them with my, with my physical eyes and that's just about it. But, you know, God sees them as someone that he died for. And, and he broke my heart about that. And, and I need to tell you that prior to this time, my, both my wife and I have felt that the Lord was about to do something in our ministry. We just didn't know what it was. And probably, probably pretty close to a year before this time, uh, we'd felt that and we'd been praying and seeking the Lord's will and we figured we were going to be going and starting another church at another place there in Panama. Uh, but that wasn't what his will was. His will was that we go to Spain. And I, I thought, you know what, Lord? You know, we've been here in Panama for, for the last 12 years and, and it would be so much easier if, you know, 
if you're moving us from Panama, it'd be so much easier if we just went back to the states. You know, the Lord, Lord, the states need the gospel more and more so nowadays, just like everywhere else. And you know, my my family's there, my kids are there, my grandkids are going to be there. I I know the culture, I know the language somewhat. Whenever you're in another foreign language. Uh, country, you start losing some of your English. So I knew the language somewhat, and and uh, and I thought, you know, I, I love to fish, I love to hunt, I love even every once in a while chasing that little white ball around the greens. Every once in a while, I love those things, and 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 Lord. The United States needs the gospel. We can start a Spanish ministry here. We can take a church that doesn't have a, a pastor. We can start a new church. And I thought of all of these reasons why it would be so much easier for us to come. If he's, leaving, if he's telling us to leave Panama, why it would be so much easier for us to come back to the States. And just not even a half a second after I thought of all of those reasons why we ought to come back to the States, I thought every single one of those reasons are selfish. And so at that point I said, Lord, I surrendered my life to serve you wherever that is and whatever that may look like. Lord, if you want us to go to Spain, then we'll go to Spain. From that moment on, I've had 100% peace about going to Spain. And the Lord not only talked to me, but talked to my, my wife at the same time about this. And, and, uh, and so I figured, you know what? God, if you're sending us to Spain, this is going to take quite a while because we, we weren't ready weren't even thinking of leaving Panama and so we don't have anything ready for a transition and and God said let let me take care of that and so he did and I I figured it's going to take us probably close to a year to get everything taken care of but within three months after of us finding out that God wants us in Spain he had a Panamanian national pastor for that church we were able to get rid of all of our all of our belongings there we left Panama with a, a suitcase and a carry-on luggage for each of us, for myself, my wife, and then our, our youngest son, Brandon. And that's all we had in our name three months after he said, I want you in Spain. And our heads were spinning. Everything was happening so fast. And, and, but, but I can tell you, I've been, out of the, I've been out of the Lord's will in my life, and I don't want to be there again. I, it's a painful place to be. And, and, and so we decided we're going, to, we're going to go to Spain. And so in order to make that happen, we're needing to raise a little bit more funds because in Panama, they use the American dollar. There's no exchange rate. Spain, they use the euro. So at this point, we'll be losing about 15% of our support right off the bat at the beginning of every month because of the exchange rate. And so that's what we're trying to raise to, uh, to be able to get to Spain. We have a goal of being there by the end of May of this year. And so uh, uh, we're, we're still needing some funds, and, and so that's why we're on deputation slash furlough. Never, ever thought I'd be on deputation twice, but God did. He, knows, he knew all about it, and, and, and so here we are. And, uh, but we are going to Spain, and, and you know, we praise the Lord for what he allowed us to, uh, to accomplish there in Spain. We could not have done it without him. It was by His grace that we were able to start two uh, independent Baptist churches there in Panama. And again, they are being run right now by Panamanian national pastors, and they are doing very, very well. And, and so now we're here getting ready to transition to Spain. And in fact, we're in our, our visa paperwork process right now, and, and we're just really excited. 
Can't wait to get there. Uh, we've been out of, you know, we've been, in, we've been on the front lines for the last 12 years just getting at it and, and being kind of on the sidelines for almost a year now. Man, I am chomping at the bit to get at it again. So, so we're looking forward to being there by the end of May, uh, this May, by the grace of God. And, and so we're, we have a video. We're quick, real quickly, we'll show you the video. It's about four minutes long. And then I'll get back up here and say a little bit more about Spain, and then we'll get into the Word of God. Okay?
Did you, did you see all of that? Did you see all the people there? I know you saw lots of beautiful architecture and lots of beautiful things, but did you see the people? I hope that that's what you saw most of there because that's the reason why we're going there. We're going for the people who God has, has given his life. Jesus Christ gave his life to save their souls. And, and so we ask that uh, we have prayer cards out there on the, on the back on our table. I know you may have some questions for us. Uh, uh, we would be happy to answer your questions at the end of the service. We have prayer cards. And we ask that if you would, if you would cover to pray for us, that you would go and pick one up and, and put it wherever you frequent the most, whether it be your kitchen, if it's in your kitchen right there by your refrigerator door handle, put that right there. Every time you go and open up your refrigerator, you'll see a picture of us and say a quick prayer for us. If it's in your living room by your, by your television where your, your remote control is, put it right there where your remote control is. And, and every time you see it, say a quick prayer for us. We have found, that's one thing that we have found in, the, in ministry, that prayer absolutely works. We have seen it over and over and over again in our lives and in the lives of other people, lives of other people as well, and, and we absolutely covet your prayers. And, and so if you would do that, we would be greatly honored uh, for you to pray for us. And you may ask, Brother Thomas, where, where are you going? That's a great question. We'd like to know the answer to that as well. We, we just know we're going to Spain, and we'll figure out where when we get to Spain, and God will reveal that to us exactly where. But initially, we'll start out there in the Valencia area where uh, the Belascos are. They have opened up their house for us to be able to use that as a staging point until we find out where it is that God has for us. And so we know Spanish already. So as soon as we get there, we'll hit the road and find out where it is that God would have for us. And then we will get to that place and, and uh, begin the work. And I can tell you that, that, that Spain doesn't hardly have a gospel witness at all. Yes, there are some missionaries there, but for the amount of people that are there, they don't hardly have a gospel witness. The statistic on the, on the video that you saw that 59% of the people who claim to be religious don't ever go to church, that statistic has changed since we've had the video made, and it's about 62% now of the people who claim to be religious. And the majority of the people who claim to be religious are Catholics. And so we, we absolutely covet your prayers. And, and if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to ask us after the, after the services uh, this morning. If you would please turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter number 9. Matthew chapter number 9. We're going to, going to talk with you this morning about a reminder of why it's so important that we fulfill the Great Commission in our lives. I see the, the, the flags that you have uh, representing different countries all over the world, and that's a great thing uh, to see that, that you are, are a missions-minded church. You have that, and you know, the, the prayer letters all the way around the church, and you all have uh, very beautiful facilities as well, by the way. And, and it, it's a great thing to see that you're a missions-minded church. But, you know, to support missions around the world isn't the only thing that we're called to do. We're called to begin missions even right here where we are. And so, so today, today I want to speak with you about the reminder of why it's so important to fulfill the Great Commission in our lives. Matthew chapter number 5, we're going to pick up reading there in verse number 29 and verse number 30. The Bible says, And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, 
and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning thanking you for the opportunity that you've given us to be able to be here and to meet freely and Lord, to be able to hear from you and your Holy Spirit this morning, I just ask that you would speak with us right now. Help us all to have our minds clear of the things that are going on in our lives and the things that's going to happen after the services today. And Lord, help us to concentrate on you and your Holy Spirit at this moment. Help us to realize the, the power of your word and, and, and apply the message to our lives. God, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, I ask that this morning would be their day of salvation. Help us as Christians to get our hearts right with you and help us to honor and glorify you with everything we do and say. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Got a quick question for you before I begin the, the, the message this morning. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is, is, is loving, kind, gracious, and compassionate? Amen. So do I. Praise the Lord. But do you also believe that, that he is a consuming fire? Because the Bible tells us that in, in, uh, excuse me, in Hebrews chapter number 12, that, that God is a consuming fire. At the end of our lives, we will not have to stand before a judge here in this world, but we will have to stand before the judge of the world. We will have to stand before God Almighty, and you know, he knows what the judgment will be already. He knows what his judgment will be already. That judgment is going to be hell for those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Can I tell you this morning that hell is a real place. It is a real place. It's not just a derogatory word. Hell is a real place, and we need to understand that. I think that we as Christians, we get that in our mind that, that yes, hell is a real place, but but, but once we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it just stays up there in our mind, and it doesn't move down to our heart. Because if it moved down to our heart, then it would affect us to go out and do more for those that are lost and don't know Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Hell is a real place, and, and this morning, here in our, in our passage this morning, Jesus Christ is talking, and he says, he, he, he says that if your right eye offend thee, pluck it out. If your right hand uh, offend thee, cut it off. He says, because it's more profitable for you to lose that rather than the, your whole body be cast into hell. Jesus Christ speaks more of hell than he does of heaven. Why? Because hell is a real place. I don't know about you, but for me, first impressions are, are pretty important. And this is the first impression that we get of Jesus Christ. This is the very first message that we have printed for us here in the Bible. And, and he is speaking to us and he's telling us, listen, pluck out your eye, cut off your hand if, if it offends thee. Because it's more profitable for you to lose that. And I'll get into that here in just a second. But, but, but I'm telling you, just with these two verses that we read this morning, I really believe that Jesus Christ was a hellfire preacher. But can I tell you, not only are first impressions important, but also the last words of a person. I, I've, I've preached many of funerals and, and, and seen many people sick in a, in a hospital and, and their family wants to know the last words 
their last desire so that they can do their best to fulfill it. You know what Jesus Christ's last words were? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8 says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Listen, these are, the, these are the very last words of Jesus Christ from his first words that we have here in his first sermon all the way through his last words. We see that he was compassionate about the lost. He was compassionate about teaching them that hell is a real place. He was compassionate about teaching them and, and showing them that, listen, there is a way to escape this, and that is through the, the free gift that he was offering Hell is a real place. You know, there's a lot of people that would say today, you know what? Hell might be a real place, but I'm not going there. I'm, I'm a good person. Charles Spurgeon said, Morality may keep you out of jail, but it takes the blood of Jesus Christ to keep you out of hell. There's absolutely no other way that a person's going to be able to escape this place called hell. Again, Jesus Christ speaks of hell more than he spoke of heaven and here are some of, the, some of the words that he used to describe this place called hell. He says it's an everlasting fire, eternal damnation, a furnace of fire, the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not. And what that means is that the body of the people that, that wind up going to this place, that the body of them would be formed in a way that it would never be consumed says, where their worm dieth not, it's a place of wailing and gnashing of teeth, a place of torment, a place of outer darkness, of everlasting punishment. Again, these are the very words of Jesus Christ describing this real place called hell. Thomas Watson said, the torments of hell abide forever. If all the earth and sea were sand and every thousandth year, a bird should come and take away one grain of sand, it, should be a long, it would be a long time ere that vast heap of sand were emptied. Yet if after all that time the damned may come out of hell, there were some hope. But this word ever breaks the heart. Because let me tell you, hell is forever. Forever and ever. And this is the reason why it's so important that we fulfill the Great Commission in our lives. And I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the, the true mark of a healthy church is not the size of the church. It's not the size of its offering. It's not the, the wonder of its architecture. And you've got a beautiful building here. But can I tell you, that is not the true mark of a healthy church. The true mark of a healthy church is a church that's 100% dedicated to fulfilling the Great Commission. 100% dedicated to giving the gospel of Jesus Christ both here and around the world. Listen, if we don't grasp the reality of what Jesus Christ is telling us about this real place called hell, we will never do what we ought to do when it comes to the Great Commission in our lives. So this morning, I want to I speak with you very quickly. Man, time is flying. Very quickly about this real place called hell. Number one, and if you would please turn with me to Luke chapter number 16. You may, you may be sitting there and say, Brother Tom, I knew you were going to go there. 
Because that's the only place in the Bible where God speaks about hell. But can I tell you that all of those other, all of those other words that, that Jesus Christ used to describe hell that I just read to you, they came from other passages in the Bible. Only one of those came from Luke 16. Listen, God, Jesus Christ spoke of hell a lot. But here in, in Luke chapter 16 is where he really makes it come alive for us. Very, very first thing, hell is a place of pain, agony, and torment. We'll pick up reading there in verse number 22. This is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. It says, and it came to pass that the beggar died, this is Lazarus, and was, excuse me, that the beggar died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes and being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Listen, hell is a place of pain, agony, and torment. This rich man says that he is tormented in this flame. And I tell you that Jesus Christ, back in, back in Matthew chapter number 5, he says, listen, if your right eye offend thee, pluck it out. If your right hand offend thee, cut it off. Because it is profitable for thee to lose that rather than for you, your whole body to be cast into hell. And listen, what Jesus Christ was telling you there is not to literally pluck out your eye or cut off your arm. But he's telling us that whatever it is that's in your life, no matter how important you may think it is, whatever it is that's keeping you from him, whatever it is that's keeping you from knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, get rid of it. It's not important. It's not worth you spending all eternity in this real place called hell. Because listen, this rich man is saying, listen, I am tormented in this flame. Hell is a place of pain, agony, and torment. Pain unlike we have ever felt before here in this world. Now, I know that we feel some pain in this world. I have, uh, my profession before surrendering to the Lord was a, a paramedic firefighter. My wife was a nurse. And, and, and we have seen some horrific things. We have, we have seen some people in some horrific pain. And and I can tell you that, that those people today, they were in pain then, but they're potentially not in pain today. I know that whenever I was a kid, my mother told me, listen, don't you go close to that stove. It's hot. It will burn you. Well, me being me, I, I said, okay. But then I went over there and I touched it and I moved my hand off of there as fast as I could. Man, it, it burned. It hurt. But can I tell you, I don't feel that pain today. But the pain of hell lasts for all eternity. It never, ever, ever is diminished. This, this rich man is sitting there crying out, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Listen, that rich man even today is still crying out. For all eternity. Listen, hell is a place of pain, agony, and torment. There are people in, in, from Spain that are, that are there in hell today. In pain, 
agony and torment. There are all kinds of people from the United States of America that are in hell today in pain, agony, and torment never to escape it. We need to get the reality of this into our hearts and not just in our minds. Because if it gets moved down to your heart, it'll cause you to do something about it. Do something more about it. So hell is a place of pain, agony, and torment. Number two, hell is a place of remembrance. Hell is a place of remembrance. Look there in verse number 24 and 25. Again, it says, And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, what's that next word? Remember. He says, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. You know, I, I think that that this, this poor man, Lazarus, well, there's no doubt that he believed in God. If he didn't believe in God, if he didn't believe in Jesus Christ and what he has done, then he would not be there. But, but he believed in God, so he's in heaven today. There might have been an opportunity where this poor man witnessed to the rich man. But the rich man said, listen, you don't know what you're talking about. You're nothing, I'm somebody, I'm rich, you're poor, go away, I don't want to hear it. But can I tell you that today that rich man is in hell and he's remembering that that Lazarus witnessed to him. And I, you know, I think that, I think that, that that's potentially part of the torment of hell is because they can remember all of the opportunities that they had to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, to, 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 to escape this real place called hell, and they never took it. They said, oh, I've got, to, I've got tomorrow, I've got the rest of my life, I can do it at the end. But how many of you know whether or not you're going to die today? How many of you know you're going to be here tomorrow? I have no idea. None of us do. Whatever we do for God, we need to do it now because we're not promised a tomorrow. And hell is a real place. But can I tell you, so is heaven. So is heaven. Listen, hell is a real place. It's a place of remembrance. They're remembering, this rich man is remembering the time, the opportunities that he had and all of the people that are there with him. They're remembering the opportunities that they've had to accept Jesus Christ, to escape this place called hell, but they did not take it. But they also remember their family and friends. Look down with me, if you would, verse number 27 and 28. This is the rich man talking to Abraham again. He said, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Listen, hell is a place of remembrance. They remember their family and friends. They remember their, their co-workers that are, that are lost and hell bound and, and on their way to the same place. But they can't do anything about it. Hell is a place of remembrance. 
That's the pain and part of the pain and agony as well. You know your family, your co-workers, your loved ones, your friends are on the way to that place, but yet you can't do anything about it. You can't tell them once you're already there. But you can tell them today. You can tell them now. Thirdly, this morning, hell is a place of desire forever denied. Remember up there in verse number 24, this rich man was crying that Abraham would send Lazarus and dip his finger in water and cool his tongue with just a drip of water. Again, that rich man is still there today crying out for the same thing. The, the pain and agony, the, the, the flames of hell will never diminished and never will. Desire forever denied. The rich man was there and he, and, and he remembers his family. He's crying out that someone would go and be a witness to them because he can't, no, cannot do anything about it. Once a person goes to that place, they will never get out. Listen, you and I have today, we have now to be a witness. We have now to tell our family and friends, our co-workers, our loved ones. We have now to tell the, the, the clerk over there at Walmart or at the gas station or wherever you're at. We have now, but once we leave this earth, our time for witnessing is over. Your time for telling your family members is over. Listen, the people that are in hell cannot do anything about their family and friends and loved ones that are here in this world on their way to that same place. But neither can the people that are in heaven. You can't leave heaven once you're there to come down and be a witness either. We have today. We have now. We can't be a witness once we, we can't be a witness around the world once we leave this place. We can't be a witness right here to our next door neighbors once we leave this place. We have today. That's why Jesus Christ said that, that he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. He says, listen, it is up to us right here, right now, while we're here in this world to do something about this real place called hell. Listen, this is the reason why Jesus Christ came, because hell is a real place. And he's given you and I the opportunity, the privilege to go and be a witness and tell someone else about this real place called hell. About but more than that, about the real place called heaven and about the real Savior that has given each and every one of us the opportunity to escape this real place called hell. What are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? You know, Charles Spurgeon said, If sinners be damned, <clears throat> if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees. Let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. Wow. That is a powerful statement. And I thought about that statement even in my life. Do I have that same desire? Listen, hell is a real place. I don't want anybody to go there. Am I willing to, to do what I need to do to warn that person? about the reality of that place and about the reality of a true Savior who came to 
give them the only way to escape that place? Am I willing to to pray for them? Am I willing to, to wrap my arms around their legs and say, don't go there? Listen, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not here today listening to this message by accident. Listen, God is giving you a warning right now today. Don't let today, don't let this service be one of your memories while you're there in hell remembering, I had the opportunity, but I didn't take it. But what about you, Christian? What about your family member, your co-worker, your loved one, your, your next door neighbor? Listen, you're not here by accident today either. You're not listening to this message by accident either. It's time that we get up and we can, I can tell you, I can do more to give the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you? If we're all honest with ourselves, I would imagine that we'd all can say the same thing. But what are we willing to do? Because hell is a real place. This morning as we end this message, I want to end it with the last words of Jesus Christ. He said, go ye. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. He says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Are we being that witness? Are we giving that gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we warning the people about the reality of this place called hell and also about the reality of the only way to escape it, the shed blood of Jesus Christ?